You are listening to Hydro Talks, a podcast from the global aluminium producer Hydro, setting out to explore the modern dilemmas for industry and society. Hello and welcome to our episode on green hydrogen and Hydro's new green hydrogen company. I am Kari Hjertelsvang from Hydro Energy. Now to today's guests, Pierre-Christian Eriksen and John Berry. Pierre-Christian is head of Hydro's new renewable hydrogen company, which will enable Hydro's aluminium plants to shift from gas to green hydrogen based on renewable energy and deliver green hydrogen to also other industry players and sectors that are hard to decarbonize, such as transport and the maritime sector. Pierre-Christian is now building his team and is joined here today by one of the people he works the closest with, John Berry, who is head of development. So much to talk to about Christian and John about, but I want to get into this. Why is green hydrogen so essential for what we call deep decarbonization of our economy? What are the different kinds of hydrogen and why is it that green is considered a gold standard? Why is Hydra set up a separate hydrogen company and how can you join it? Because they are currently hiring to what they say will be a world-class green hydrogen team. Christian and John, welcome to Hydro Talks. It's great to be here. I'm really looking forward to this, Carrie. Okay, so Pakistan, tell me first of all, what is green hydrogen and why do we need it? Well, to start with the, with the latter, uh, we know that uh, we need to make fossil fuels history. We need to radically reduce our global emissions. The most, way, uh, most well-known way of uh, tackling the emissions and uh, move towards achieving the, the, the climate goals is to electrify based on renewable energy. However, renewables can only, or a renewable energy can only tackle a fair share of, uh, of uh, the global emissions, about 70%. The remaining 30% is what we call, uh, call hard to abate uh, emissions and cannot be directly electrified. For instance, in part of in the industry, we have production processes that require temperatures far higher than what you can achieve with electricity in an efficient manner. Steel, cement, aluminium are just three examples of industries where electricity is simply not a suitable energy source for these processes. But there's an alternative to clean electricity that is perfect for these heavy industries. But also for long uh, distance transport, heavy transport and, and maritime sectors. Hydrogen, just like electricity, can be made from purely renewable energy sources. And industries like cement, steel and aluminium can switch to using green hydrogen based on renewable energy without any adverse impact on their output. Let's continue a bit on the explainer of what hydrogen is all about. So, John, when we first hear about hydrogen, it sounds a bit like a kid's crayon set. We have green hydrogen, blue, pink, brown, grey, and so on. Can you run us through the colour palette and explain the key differences? Yes, and there's, uh, there's many colours out there uh, in discussion and also in uh, many academic papers. But the first point to, uh, to highlight, there are inconsistencies on how the colours are used and uh, applied. But when we boil it down, there are three main colours that people need to know. So you have green hydrogen, which is produced from water electrolysis. You have blue hydrogen, which actually comes from fossil 
fuels with a element of carbon capture and perhaps utilization incorporated. And then you have grey hydrogen, which is used again from steam methane reforming, from fossil fuels, and the CO2 then is just released into the, into the air. Um, you also have colours such as brown and black, and that refers to um, hydrogen production from gasification using um, coal or lignite. And sometimes you'll see um, terms like pink and uh, yellow used in industry, and these refer to, for example, uh, nuclear and also um, biomass-derived hydrogen production. Mm. And if you follow the climate discussions, you often see that blue and green are the ones most spoken about as the low emissions, uh, low emission solutions. But the EU is very clear on how is green, that is the, the future, whereas blue is for a transitional phase. Can you run us through this as well, please, John? Yeah, I think the EU is, is very clear on its, on its mandate towards 2030 that it is primarily focusing on, on green. So you see targets of around 40 gigawatt of electrolyzers to be installed. They're referring to, to green hydrogen. Having said that, I think there may be a place for, for blue. Um, there is an ongoing discussion around um, how, how clean blue hydrogen is, and I believe that will mature over the coming months. But in order to help scale infrastructure uh, for the transport and storage of hydrogen, blue could still have a place. Hmm. There's been much talk about hydrogen before, like already back in the early 2000s, it was presented as one of the key climate solutions. It didn't materialize, materialize then. So what is different this time around, John? I would actually go further. Um, the, the discussion has been going ongoing for uh, decades. So even back in, for example, in the, the 70s during the, the oil crisis, hydrogen was touted as a, an alternative to these fossil fuel energy carriers. Um, and then actually, like you mentioned, in the 2000s, again, it got another uh, cycle of hype. Uh, but then more recently, around 2018, we started to see some of the fundamentals getting in place. So I would say there are three big fundamentals that make it different this time. Um, we see renewable costs are finally where they need to be. So even the difference between renewable energy costs back in 2018 to today, uh, the, ch- the changes are quite dramatic. So when we talk about onshore wind, for example, people think a wind turbine from five, ten years ago looks the same as a wind turbine now. But if you go back back even to 2018, 2017, wind turbines are around two megawatt in size. Now we're looking onshore at six megawatts. So the scale has changed, and because of that, the cost point has changed. So when we look at hydrogen production, um, a large component of the cost of producing hydrogen from from water electrolysis, so green hydrogen, comes from the renewable power. So the price point is where it should be and getting better. Um, And then we see policy is also in place. So we see big big action in the EU and then the member states stepping up to, to, to help meet those targets. And when we look globally, we see around 40 countries now have set their own hydrogen strategies. So these are big shifts. And I think the, the third and most important point is the, the money is actually on the table. So they're now starting to not just set targets, but they're actually starting to put um, uh, real money on the table and looking at real supporting mechanisms to jumpstart this industry. Great, thank you. I have one last question on our Hydrogen 101. Um, can you walk us through the safety aspect? This is a gas, so how is it handled safely? Yeah, hydrogen is like any other gas um, in the sense that it's, it's, you, know, you need to have strict guidelines in place uh, with handling it and storing it and actually consuming it. And there are, there, are, there are measures in place. I think it's worth taking a, a step back a little bit. You know, the hydrogen industry in on itself is quite large. So we see, we see over 100 million tonnes of hydrogen consumed, produced and consumed per year. Uh, so industry um, has a long learning, uh, uh, has, a long, has, a, has a long experience with this, with this um, energy carrier. Um, when we talk about hydrogen now in this new context, it's more about how the hydrogen is produced. 
So I think, yes, you must treat safety in a proper way, but it's worth remembering that hygiene has been around for a long time and it's around in big volumes today already. Let's move on to how this is moving ahead. But Christian, how do you see the green hydrogen industry developing and what sectors are the most relevant? Yes, so industry emissions needs to get to zero. So massive growth is then expected within hydrogen. In Norway and EU, industry emissions represent about 20 to 25% of total emissions. To achieve needed CO2 cuts through hydrogen, demand is expected to increase by uh, a multiple of seven towards 2050. But only a small fraction, 1% of today's hydrogen production is green. So to have a full uh, uh, low carbon or, or uh, carbon uh, free uh, hydrogen um, supply in 2050, it's about 7,000 fold uh, increase in the green hydrogen production. Mm. So we have a sevenfold increase of hydrogen projected, but since we need the green hydrogen in order to reach the climate targets, we're actually looking at a 7,000-fold increase. It's quite staggering numbers. And this is already happening as far as I understand. It is. And globally, we see that about 300 large-scale uh, hydrogen projects are uh, being announced. And uh, a large share of that is linked to industry. You, of course, have a fair share of that linked to uh, refineries and uh, ammonia production, but also within steel, cement, and aluminum, uh, we see that uh, there's a huge potential for green hydrogen. Mm. And we're, we see also see that with, with steel, if you introduce green hydrogen, we might actually be looking at fossil-free steel. Can you walk us through that? Yes, yeah, so you have a current example uh, now in Sweden with the uh, SSAB. They w- um, have the ambition to have the first green steel production line operating in 2026 and fully decarbonize their uh, production line. They have now, actually, last month, delivered the first test batch of green steel to Volvo. So this isn't something that will happen in a distant future, this is taking place now. Mm. So it's happening with steel, but it's also about to happen in aluminium. Can you explain how hydrogen could be a solution in uh, the aluminium sector and tackle emissions there as well? Certainly, and the uh, aluminium industry uh, holds about 1% of the global emissions. And uh, looking at uh, the full value chain from the mine to uh, the end product, uh, there's a lot of potential to introduce hydrogen. But uh, when we're looking at, at the value chain now, we're focusing on a couple of areas. One is the anode baking furnaces, where we see that we can, through fuel switching from gas to hydrogen, can reduce the CO2 footprint of that process step by 40%. While in the cast house, we can fully decarbonize that, pro- uh, that process step with hydrogen. Mm. Is what you mentioned earlier about this 70-30 split, where we can tackle 70% of emissions with electrification, whereas the 30% are in these hard-to-bait sectors. So even with hydro, where we to a large extent rely on renewable energy to produce aluminium, we can tackle any of like the remaining um, uh, emissions with, uh, with green hydrogen. So if we're looking at uh, hydro's Norwegian-produced aluminium, which is then based on renewables, what kind of emission cuts uh, could we be talking about? 
Well, Hedos, as you say, Hedos uh, production today is one of the world leaders in low uh, carbon uh, aluminium. But even for the low carbon metal, we see that we can reduce the CO2 footprint and emissions by further 10%. Mm-hmm. And so green hydrogen is definitely then a solution also for the aluminium industry. And now Hydro has set up a separate green hydrogen company. And you two are two of the people on that uh, management team. Can you talk us through why Hydro has chosen to set up a separate company in Pakistan? For, for Hydro, I think it's it's important that, that uh, uh, we have the, the right incentives and drivers in the new company. We need, we, we're, we're a startup area. We need to be agile and be able to move fast. And we need also then to, to uh, be in position to uh, also tackle the external market. So big ambitions outside of Hydro's portfolio to really supply hydrogen to other industry players, maritime and transport sector. So having the freedom to really go beyond hydrogen's footprint is important. Mm. And what kind of role will you take as a hydrogen company? We will be a developer, build, own and operate the company of hydrogen production. And we will also position, especially for the industry, regards to decarbonization solutions, for high uh, heat processes and help uh, third-party clients to or customers to uh, decarbonize their processes. Mm. Now, let's talk about your team. And to those of you listening, they might be thinking that being part of decarbonizing industry and transport sounds like a pretty cool day job. I'd say pay close attention. Uh, Pakistan, can you tell us about the team that you're now building and why people should join you? Well, certainly. No, it's it's a uh, it's a great team that we now have in place with in long industrial experience from uh, Hydro and also Aker Solutions and Scottec, and building then further on that with key competence in uh, electrolysis technology, um, fuel switch uh, capabilities, and and uh, we we ter- currently a very small team dynamic team and uh, it's an inspiring journey to be part of building this uh, capability within the team and and building this business together. So you have a number of uh, job ads uh, out now and there will be more to come in the future so just to push this a bit further what would you say to the ones now looking at uh, these possible job ads or whether they should join you? First and foremost, it's about the, the aspiring thing of, of working with sustainability and uh, uh, finding the, the next generation solutions to tackle the big challenges that we have in the world today. Then, of course, uh, myself coming uh, from a long uh, period in, in Aker Solutions, then being able to join a new company early and be part of that process of building stone by stone into something that can be really, really big. Hmm. That's inspiring. And that's brilliant. And John, same question to you. Why did you join the company? Well, if you step back and, and look at the scenario we find ourselves in, in today, towards 2050, the clock is ticking, you know. And if you look at the, the three main sources of um, carbon emissions uh, worldwide, or the, you look at transport, um, you look at power generation, 
uh, and you look at industry. And you can clearly see that hydrogen plays a big role in all of these three elements, you know. And I want to be part of that, you know. And when you look at the potential for hydrogen and the scale of what hydrogen could be, going from, for example, 1% of, of, of green hydrogen going from 1% of uh, current hydrogen consumption and then scaling to maybe 7,000 times uh, the levels we see today. Now, these are huge numbers. This is going to be an extremely exciting decade. And I think the point is this isn't something out in the future. This is happening right now. Hmm. And of course, I want to be a part of that. And given the capabilities in the platform that Hydro have, I think this company could be something very special. So how could I not join this company? <laughs> and you said that uh, the clock is ticking. So let's talk then a bit about your timelines because you're head of development. And what kind of time frame are we talking about when it comes to your first projects? Yeah, I think when you, when you hear the debate around hydrogen, you'll always hear the term the chicken and the, and the egg. So who will supply it and who will, who will consume it? Um, Hydro is in a very enviable position in the sense that Hydro uh, has a demand for hydrogen. And we also have a capability to be able to supply hydrogen. So given that, we already are working on two to five um, large projects. And when we say projects, you know, we don't say in a conventional sense. So we look at projects for decarbonizing the industrial asset. Then we look towards other vectors. We look towards heavy transport. And we also look towards maritime and adjacent industry. So these projects are, are moving forward quite quickly. And we'd like to be in a position um, sooner rather than later so we can really capitalize on the, on the large uptick we'll see towards the end of the decade with respect to hydrogen, hydrogen project development. Hmm. We're about to round this off. Uh, so, John, I want to end with your green hydrogen elevator pitch. So if you were to give people a very short and snappy sum up of why green hydrogen and why it's needed to reach the climate targets, let us know so we know what to say when we tell this to our friends and neighbours. When we talk about decarbonisation, it's clear. Hydrogen is a huge part of the, of the solution. When you look towards other solutions, they will get you part of the way. Hydrogen will close that gap, and it's a big gap. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of this company, which has the strong foundation to be able to deliver on that. And I think for those who are looking at joining us, please send in your application. Brilliant. Thank you so much to both of you for joining this Hydro Talks. Thank you. Great to have a chance to speak about green hydrogen. So that's it, Green Hydrogen and Hydra's new Green Hydrogen Company. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Hydro Talks. Make sure to subscribe. If you have any feedback or comments, get in touch at podcast at hydro.com. At